0: Hey, hey, glad you're here. The pages of this ancient document called the Holy Bible are filled with one wow factor moment after another. In fact, there's a great story about a young man in college who was reading his Bible when an unbelieving professor walked by. And as the student was reading, he just exclaimed, wow. Well, it got the curiosity of the professor and he said, oh, well, what's the excitement? What, what are you reading? And the student explained how God had parted the Red Sea and he allowed the Hebrews to walk through on dry ground. And, and the professor started to explain how in that period of history there was an extreme drought. and Really, the Red Sea was only about three inches deep. It wasn't that big of a miracle. And the disheartened student just went, oh, uh, kept reading. In a little bit... He exclaimed even more, wow! And the professor said, all right, what is it now? And the young man answered, God just drowned the whole Egyptian army in three inches of water. (laughs) In this walk through the Gospel of John, I'm telling you, John just gives us one wow factor moment after another with Jesus. In fact, the next two episodes that John writes about are about how the Word controlled health. If you remember from last week, after spending two days in Samaria with the woman that Jesus had met at the well, he and his disciples went back up into Galilee, back through Cana where he had turned the water to wine at the wedding, remember? This time, a royal official from Capernaum, which is about 20 miles away from Cana, was tracking Jesus down. He had heard He was coming back into the area and the news was spreading of Jesus' authority over the elements. So this man, he was desperate. His son was dying. He didn't know Jesus and he didn't know what Jesus could do, but none of the doctors were doing anything with his son. And and hearing what Jesus... What's he got to lose? So he tracks Jesus down and he begs Jesus to come back to Capernaum with him to heal his son. Jesus refuses to go, but he doesn't refuse to heal. In fact, Jesus' first response to this man, it it almost sounds a little uncaring. Look what he says. You people, Jesus says, you people must see signs and miracles before you will believe in me. Well, the man persists, and still says, please, please, I beg of you, heal my son. Jesus does have compassion for this man, and we're going to see that he's about to heal his son, but I think this statement is revealing something that Jesus wants us to understand. He was more than a sideshow. He's more than a genie in a lamp to pop out and and grant our request. Jesus is so much more than a physical miracle worker. We put our trust in him not because of what we want. We put our trust in him because of who he is. He has all authority. Well, Jesus tells this royal official that he may go, that his son will live, and the official recognizes that authority and he takes Jesus at his word and he leaves. And on his way back, he runs into his servant's who were very excited and, and they're coming to try to find him to say that his son's health has returned. And he asked them, when exactly did he turn, take a turn for the better? And they told him and he realized it was exactly at the moment when Jesus said, your son will live. Is, is there any distance too great for the Word to reach? No. Time and space pose no problem for the Word. The Word controlled healing and health. And then John follows that truth with another example of healing, only this time it wasn't with a death fever for a little boy. This time it was a 38-year-old affliction in an older man. This is something that's kind of interesting about what John does. He he takes these contrasts to demonstrate the spectrum of The word's authority. Jesus makes sure that the godly celebration continues at a wedding by making sure the wine doesn't run out. And he makes sure the ungodly market at the temple stops. And he does that with a a whip of cords. He, He meets with an esteemed member of the Jewish council named Nicodemus and offers him eternal life and then that story is immediately followed with meeting with a despised immoral Samaritan woman and offering her the water of life. John wants us to know that on the authority of the Word he makes a wedding more festive and a temple more holy, a religious leader more humble, and a social outcast more accepted. And the Word has authority over health, be it young, or old, our physical bodies are in His hands. In Jerusalem, there was a pool of water near a gate called the Sheep Gate, and it was constantly surrounded by physically disabled people. The belief was that an angel would randomly come down and stir the water, and the first one in the pool, after such a disturbance, would be healed, would be cured of whatever they had. Well, one of the people that had suffered so was this one with a 38-year disability. It greatly affected his mobility so that when the water was stirred, why, somebody else always beat him into the pool. When Jesus walked by, and after asking him if he wanted to be well, he told him to get up, pick up his mat, and walk. And he did. Instantly, the man was healed. On the authority of the Word, a 38-year-old affliction disappeared. The man, the man didn't even know the name of Jesus. He didn't even know who Jesus was. So when the Jews came and rebuked him for carrying his mat, a mat, by the way, that he used to lay on all day long because of his disability, They rebuked him because he was carrying it on the Sabbath day. Now, God wants us to honor the Sabbath day and keep it holy. But the Jews had all these laws to make that fit. And one of the things they said, you couldn't carry anything. Well, it was a ridiculous thing for them to do, but they did it. And the man tried to explain, I normally wouldn't carry this. I normally wouldn't be able to carry anything, but I've been healed. And when the Jews asked him who healed him, the man had no answer because he didn't know. He didn't know who Jesus was. He didn't know his name. And later on, Jesus found this man and said, See, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. Peculiar word, isn't it? Sin can be, sin can be a real life wrecker. Ah, oh, it, just, it just ruins everything. In fact, unrepentant sin... Can cause problems far greater than any physical disability. Oh, yeah, the inner turmoil that's going on, a lack of peace. Oh, that's worse than outward infirmities. Think about it if you are perfectly healthy and yet you have no peace, what about the reverse? You're all crippled up, but you have peace? Well, when this man found out it was Jesus who had healed him, well he went and told the Jews who wanted to know. He told them that he was the one that healed him on the Sabbath. So these Jews found Jesus and they began persecuting him. This life-giving miracle to a man who had been suffering for nearly four decades was completely lost to these Jews who were covered in jealousy for the way the crowds responded to Jesus. And I think it was also because they just had absolutely no idea where he was getting this undeniable authority. So how's Jesus going to react to their persecution? Will he he leave town, move on? Will he slip through the crowd, kind of like he did after he healed this man? Well, not this time. No. Jesus isn't going anywhere this time. What he will do is he will respond to this small-minded jealousy mindset with the boldest claims of authority ever. Now hear me out. If any person from any setting in any time in any part of our history would say the things that Jesus said in John chapter 5, he would be committed and locked up and the key would be thrown away. Now, if you've grown up in the church, you've heard what Jesus said probably over and over, and it's easy to miss the shock, the wow factor of the moment. Some of you are going to hear these words for the first time, and I'm just here to tell you nobody has ever said things like this before, ever. This is John chapter 5, beginning with verse 17. In his defense... Jesus said to them, My Father is always at His work to this very day, and I too am working. For this reason they tried all the more to kill Him. Not only was He breaking the Sabbath, but He was even calling God His own Father, making Himself equal with God. Is that what Jesus was doing? Was Jesus making Himself equal with God? You better believe it. It's exactly what He was doing. The text goes on. Jesus says, I tell you, The son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son does also. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these so that you will be amazed. For just as the father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. Moreover, the Father judges no one but has entrusted all judgment to the Son that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged but has crossed over from death to life. I tell you, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself, and he has given him authority to judge because he is the Son of Man. Do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear His voice and come out. Those who have done what is good will rise to live, and those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned. If I testify about myself, my testimony is not true. There is another who testifies in my favor, and I know that his testimony about me is true. John has testified to the truth, but I have testimony weightier than that of John, the Father. Who sent me has himself testified concerning me. You have never heard his voice, nor seen his form, nor does his word dwell in you, for you do not believe the one he sent. You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me. Yet you refuse to come to me to have life. I know that you do not have the love of God in your hearts. I have come in my Father's name. And you do not accept me. Your accuser is Moses, on whom your hopes are set. If you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. Who has ever talked like that? Who has ever made those kinds of claims? Did you catch this? Jesus claimed to be equal with the creator of the universe. Yeah. Jesus claimed to do only and exactly what God would do. That Almighty God would run everything by Jesus and show Him everything that He was doing. God wouldn't do anything without letting Jesus know. Jesus claimed to have the same power as God to raise people from the dead. In fact, Jesus went so far to say that one day, Every person who has ever died will rise up from the earth wherever they are, wherever they've decomposed, wherever they are. They'll assemble back together in a body, and they will do it at the sound of my voice, Jesus says. Jesus claimed that God gave him all power over judgment, that he is to receive the same honor as the Most High God is to receive. Jesus claimed that in believing Him, you would immediately be infused with eternal life. Just believing in Him, trusting in Him. Jesus claimed to have all authority. That all Scripture pointed to Him. That Moses wrote about Him. Jesus claimed to have actually seen the form of God and heard his voice, and that he and God are, in fact, one in the same. Pray tell who has ever talked like that. What are we going to do with that? No one has ever said those kinds of things. You can't say, well, you know, I, I... I don't think Jesus was a son of God, but I think he was a good teacher, and I think he was a good man, and maybe even some sort of prophet. No, 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 no. A good teacher doesn't say that. A, a, a decent person, a, a prophet doesn't say, yeah, God and I, mmm, equal. No, no. Either those words actually came from the Son of Almighty God, or whoever said that is a pathological liar and absolutely insane. It's all or nothing on this. There's no, there's no, there's no area in the middle. He's either equal with God and has all authority or he's completely delusional and there is nothing about him that's good at all. It's important to see that there's no middle ground. Look how the great preacher Charles Spurgeon put it. He said, I would recommend you either believe God up to the hilt or else not believe it at all. Believe this book of God, every letter of it, or else reject it. There is no logical standing place between the two. Be satisfied with nothing less than a faith that swims in the deeps of divine revelation. A faith that paddles about on the edge of the water is poor faith at best. It is little better than a dry land faith and it is not good for much. There is no middle ground between Faith in Jesus Christ who is the Word and is God and no faith in Jesus of Nazareth as a son of God because he was nothing more than a nut job. C.S. Lewis, I have to believe that Jesus was and is God. And it seems plain as a matter of history that he taught his followers that the new life was communicated in this way. In other words, I believe it on his authority. Ninety-nine percent of the things you believe and are believed are believed on authority. The ordinary person believes in the solar system, atoms, and the circulation of blood on authority because of the, the scientists say so. Every historical statement is believed on authority. None of us have seen the Norman Conquest or the defeat of the Spanish Armada. But we believe them simply because people who did see them have left writings that tell us about them. Do you see what John has done? John has left us with a choice. Will we choose to believe and trust in the Word's authority?